Welcome to the Public Diplocast, a podcast from CPD, the USC Center on Public Diplomacy. We feature experts who discuss new ideas and enduring challenges in the field of public diplomacy. This episode features a talk by Ambassador Mark Minton at Indiana University, where CPD co-hosted an event on why public diplomacy matters on the Korean Peninsula. Ambassador Minton, who spent nearly two decades as a U.S. diplomat working on nuclear negotiations with North Korea, discussed the public dimension of relationships in the region, such as the 2018 Pyeongchang Winter Olympics and the highly publicized summit between Kim Jong-un and President Trump. Here's what Ambassador Minton had to say. Uh, The diplomacy uh, during the Trump administration in the last year or so uh, is, in fact, I hope these are hopeful words. Uh, I can't prove it, but it's moving away from um, uh, conditions that would be conducive to a a war or the use of nuclear weapons on the Korean Peninsula. Um, And uh, the public, although it is not leading this effort, is very much implicated in the style of uh, the diplomacy is taking place. And um, I'd like to explain uh, why I'm saying that. Um, First of all, traditionally, in the agreed framework under the uh, Clinton administration or the six-party talks uh, under uh, the uh, Bush administration, uh, the style of diplomacy uh, was this. Um, You work up an agenda of uh, your objectives and your problems. Uh, Then if you get into a negotiation, uh, you work on that agenda. Uh, you work from a lower level up to a higher level. If you make progress, uh, lower level officials start out. If you make progress, uh, you move up the food chain to more uh, senior officials. A good example of this is during the six-party talks, sorry, I keep on making the mistake, the agreed framework talks in the Clinton administration. Um, We started out fairly modestly, but by the end of the Clinton administration, Madeleine Albright, the Secretary of State, uh, visited Pyongyang in a historic meeting and met with uh, Kim Jong-il, the then head of North Korea. So that's an example is uh, diplomacy is bearing fruit. It seems to have momentum. You move up and and, uh, more senior officials uh, then become engaged. Uh, In fact, at the very end of the Clinton administration, uh, President Clinton himself, uh, he was running out of time, but did consider the possibility of visiting uh, North Korea, although um, in the event this did not take place. At any rate, you work uh, on an agenda and you uh, try to raise it to a higher level of negotiations. Another hallmark of traditional diplomacy is that you address the central issue head-on, in this case, the elimination of North Korea's nuclear weapons. You go right in the door, you start talking about that uh, the first minute, you, and you treat any other issues that come up as uh, essentially, perhaps you have to pay attention to them, but they are diversions from your central issue and your central uh, concern. And, of course, these negotiations largely take place in um, secret. Uh, You have to do that because uh, nations try out positions, negotiators try out positions, often that they do not have, strictly speaking, authorization to raise with the other side to see if they will fly and move negotiations uh, to a better place. If that were all uh, publicized at the instant that uh, that was being done, there would be no diplomacy and no diplomatic progress. So um, the negotiations are usually held in secret. This time, 
the, the uh, diplomacy has taken place in the last uh, less than a year this year um, <clears throat> has been has uh, uh, transpired in exactly the opposite way. It started at a high level. Uh, there was um, almost right away uh, two uh, summits uh, between North and South Korean leaders and uh, now there will be two summits be unprecedented between the U.S. president and the leader of North Korea. Another uh, sort of topsy-turvy aspect of this diplomacy is that the major issues, presumably the North Korean nuclear program, have been deferred. A lot of other stuff is happening. A lot of atmospherics are improving, but the major issue uh, is not, has, as far as we can tell in public, has not really been um, um, uh, closed with yet, uh, has not really been um, uh, uh, tackled. Uh, this is very unusual. Uh, usually, uh, you do not have high-level meetings until progress is made on the central issue. There also seems to be no set agenda. That is, uh, no strictly speaking strategy. Of course, the U.S. has a number of objectives having to do with denuclearization, de uh, but that's just the U.S. position. Uh, there's great disagreement between uh, North Korea and the U.S. about what denuclearization means. We mean um, eliminating <clears throat> the North Korean uh, nuclear program. They mean a stand down by the U.S. militarily in Northeast Asia, including what we call our nuclear umbrella. Uh, these are two uh, very different positions, but it doesn't look like this issue has been sorted out. Um, so there doesn't seem to be any set agenda here that the two parties are working uh, from. And another astounding um, uh, aspect of recent negotiations, uh, which is relevant, I think, to this Congress, Congress conference, is, sorry, I'm dealing with a cold here, uh, with this uh, conference is that uh, uh, this diplomacy is, is happening in public more than it's happening in private. You know, the Secretary of State, well, um, he had good meetings this visit to Pyongyang, but he previously went to uh, Pyongyang and apparently had almost fruitless meetings. Uh, but a lot has happened in the public stage. Um, this all started in public with a suggestion that the North Koreans might uh, participate in the Winter Olympics uh, in South Korea. That was quickly exploited. Um, and became uh, a communication between the two uh, heads of, uh, of um, state um, uh, in North and South Korea, and it very quickly ballooned into um, a crash program for the U.S. president to meet with the North Korean leader. Why is this happening uh, so differently this time? I think there are several things that account for it. Uh, I've already uh, alluded to one of them. That is that the leaders uh, 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 got themselves involved very, very early. Now, the leaders, uh, if they directly take hold of diplomacy, but uh, they haven't had an agenda or agreements worked out at a lower level before they meet, don't think I'm going to make it. Um, uh, uh, before they meet, um, uh, do not um, have that much to decide. Uh, so their meetings uh, by nature will be mostly about atmospherics. And these meetings have definitely been about atmospherics. Um, and this has served the interests of all three leaders, that is uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, Moon Jae-in, the president of South Korea, and Donald Trump, the president of the United States. For the North Koreans, uh, this is an ideal way for Kim Jong-un to signal that he, to his people, 
that he is making a major policy change. Um, uh, there can be no mistake, every North Korean that sees television images of uh, his uh, leader embracing, not just shaking hands, but embracing the American president, knows that a, near, a new era and a new policy um, has, uh, is being uh, implemented by the North Korean government. Uh, we can talk about why they're doing that, but it is clearly a new approach. And uh, for South Korea, uh, the new South Korean president, this is very important also. He is a progressive. Uh, North, uh, South Korea is sharply divided between um, uh, conservatives and progressives. Uh, Moon Jae-in is a progressive. He has five years as president, only five. He cannot succeed himself. One-term presidency. He has to move fast. And he has to signal to the South Korean um, people that his administration is going to engineer a major change in atmospherics and in substance with North Korea. Fortunately, his interests in this respect exactly fit the interests of uh, Kim Jong-un in the North. And for Donald Trump, I cannot really uh, guess what it might be. But uh, during the campaign, campaign, he showed no great interest in the traditional U.S. security position on the Korean Peninsula and wondered why we had all of our troops there. He's overwhelmingly a president concerned about economics and American economics and about our position and how much it costs us in monetary terms. He would probably be delighted to have a uh, pullback of American troops on the Korean Peninsula if that were possible. He also has a great confidence in his own diplomacy, so he's come forward, and this serves his public relations as well as his substantive interests, that is, making a breakthrough um, uh, for long-term peace on the Korean Peninsula. Uh, another factor here is that the uh, Koreans themselves are in charge of this process. They're driving this process. This has never happened before in negotiations with North Korea, uh, especially involved nuclear issues. But the Koreans are pressing for a sort of rapprochement between North and South Korea and uh, to end the Korean War between them and to do a lot of other things, uh, exchange uh, family, uh, family reunions, economic uh, interchange. Um, and um, the United States and other outside powers have more or less fallen in behind this Korean lead uh, to, um, uh, to promote this sort of diplomacy and for this reason. That sort of leaves the nuclear issue out there to the side. So how do you get at that? Well, there have always been traditionally two uh, schools of thought about how to get to the nuclear issue. One was to go through what I call the front door. Uh, that is, you do what we traditionally have done. You, you go into a negotiation well prepared and you put the nuclear issue right in the middle of the table and say we have to solve this and we can't do anything else until we do and make progress. There won't be normalization, there won't be aid, we won't lift sanctions or any of it. This is still our position somewhat. But the curious thing is that the action on the ground is eroding that traditional tough position. But there's always been a backdoor too. There's a school of thought that problems with North Korea are so severe uh, that instead of going through the front door and directly uh, addressing the nuclear uh, problem and getting stuck, something that we've done under three administrations and failed, that you go through the back door, you improve the atmospherics, you improve north-south relations, and then in time, 
you can get to the harder problems, such as the nuclear problem. Now, making these two things balance, this new approach and the old approach to emphasize going directly at the nuclear problem, is very, very difficult because you have to keep on sanctions until you get some progress, and you have to uh, kind of go with the flow of a lot of positive language uh, out there in public at the same time that you're trying to get actual results in um, eliminating North Korea's nuclear program. It's, there's no guarantee that that balance will be struck. But for now, the point is that the atmospherics and the public diplomacy of improving atmospherics between the United States and North Korea and between North and South Korea is in the forefront. And this is new. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Public Diplocast, produced by CPD, the world's leading research and training center in the field of public diplomacy. I'm your host, Lisa Rao. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Public Diplomacy, and make sure to find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring the best of CPD's forward-looking thinkers. See you next time.